Hello, and welcome to the Salisbury Pediatric Associate Health and Wellness Newsletter Audiocast. I'm your host, Dr. M. This is volume 13, issue number 29, which happens to correspond with the week of July the 3rd of 2023. This week, we're going to look at some literature that has recently been published in the peer-reviewed journals. Also, part two is about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Part three, the book of Boys and Men. Okay. Literature review, number one. Is loneliness tied to an increase in death risk? A new study in Nature says yes to a degree of the pooled effect size of 1.32 for all-cause mortality. Comes to us from Wang et al. in 2023 in the journal. In effect, that is a very large effect size of the variable loneliness on death risk. Why would this be? Many reasons come to mind, the greatest of which is the control that the mind wields over our immune system. If we think in negative and in sad terms over a period of time, the immune system will shift into a pro-inflammatory state and a weakened pathogen killing, which has massive downstream effects on our physiology. So ultimately, it behooves us to pay attention to those around us that are suffering from loneliness, especially the elderly. So this is not a surprising study in my mind, but still yet is data points on what we need to spend our time caring about. So pay attention to your children when they're in middle and high school, whether they're struggling with any form of loneliness and the elderly. Number two, in an impressive inoculation study in the UK, researchers gave the ancestral strain of SARS-2 to the test subjects and then followed them for two weeks in quarantine they noted some very interesting findings. Number one, symptom severity did not correlate with viral spread. I found that to be fascinating. Two, of the 34 test subjects, only two individuals accounted for 86% of all airborne spread, noting the super spreader reality is true. So remember there was that early case in the 2020 timeframe where there was a huge spread that occurred at a church and it, was, and it appeared to be a choral singer that was one of the super spreaders. Well, this study proves it. If only two of the 34 people spread 86% of the virus, there tends to be something very interesting about the immune system and the ability of this virus to spread with certain people. Number three, most of the spread occurs via the nasal passageways and not the mouth. And number four, there were almost no viral transmission events occurring before a patient was symptomatic. Also very important because during the pandemic, it was thought that you were spreading for two days before you had symptoms. So no viral transmission before the patient was symptomatic. And oh, by the way, you know, the symptom severity doesn't correlate with viral spread. And there's only a couple of people that are spreading everything. And most of the spread occurs by the nose. I mean, what a great study. Thank you, United Kingdom and Dr. Zhu et al. in 2023 for publishing this data for us. The one caveat here is that the the study was done with a much less transmissible alpha variant of the ancestral strain. I'd love to see this redone now with the new Omicron variant, which is 10 to 15 times more infectious and less dangerous from a morbidity perspective to humans. The key here is that it is only a small part of the infected that drive most disease. Finding the reasons as to the why they spread it so well is a worthy goal. Number three, 
there's always a heated debate regarding the benefits of a multi-mineral, multivitamin supplement in medicine. In a new study by Linus Pauling Institute, we see the following. 35 men over 65 years of age were given a multi-mineral, multivitamin supplement to assess changes in blood micronutrient markers from baseline to the six-month mark. They assessed micronutrient levels and basal oxygen consumption in immune monocytes as an indicator of cellular metabolism. The supplement improved blood levels of vitamins A, B6, D, and E. The placebo group showed declines in blood vitamin concentrations. Supplementation did not significantly affect blood mineral level of calcium, copper, iron, magnesium, and zinc. Supplementation did prevent the decline in immune cell monocyte oxygen consumption rate. This comes to us from Michelle's et al. 2022, M-I-C-H-E-L-S et al. 2023, and that was published in the journal Nutrients. So let's unpack that a little bit. It's a very small study, but it does layer in some possibilities of enhanced cellular activity and metabolism. I believe that a diverse diet is key, but adding a quality cofactor delivery supplement has logic in a world that doesn't espouse healthy eating nor the adequacy of our micronutrients cofactors. For teens, I am 100% in favor of Garden of Life's prenatal for menstruating females and the multivitamin for men for menstruate. I mean, <laughs> for men, um, you know, so I, I don't see a downside. The, the reality here, I think, is very clear. It is highly likely that you're going to gain some benefit, maybe a lot of benefit. Immune cells functioning at a higher rate reduces infection, reduces all-cause inflammation. I mean, I think there's a lot going on here that's uh, just really hard to, to ca- prove causality in a world with so many variables. But having biomarkers that appear to improve, that makes sense to me. And from a Hippocratic Oath perspective, I can't find a downside to taking a mi- multimineral micronutrient supplement. Okay, number four. When the mitochondria in a cell burn calories for fuel and ATP generation, they release oxidant byproducts that are chemically unstable, leading to cellular damage if unchecked. In the journal PNAS, we see this reality play out in brain's hippocampus and memory centers. From the study, quote, dietary flavanols are food constituents found in certain fruits and vegetables that have been linked to cognitive aging, end quote. In this study of 3,562 adults randomly assigned to 500 milligrams of cocoa flavanols versus placebo over three years, we note that the flavanol intake positively correlated with hippocampal-dependent memory function. The higher the flavanol level, the better the response. Brickman et al., 2023. This is straightforward data. We have a mechanism as to how flavanols help us. Flavanols will increase the production of nitric oxide synthase, which leads to decreased inflammation and vascular dilation, all of which improve cerebral perfusion and neural activity. They also act by increasing the production of BDNF, bone-derived neurotrophic factor, or excuse me, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which increases neuron production and survival over time. These effects are very useful if they occur in the hippocampus. Sochi et al., S-O-C-C-I et al., 2017, came with that last piece. Food sources include cocoa, onions, scallions, kale, broccoli, apples, berries, camellia sinensis teas. What you don't see there is processed food. Five, breastfeeding or one year or longer is a cognitive benefit to the child. The study entitled Association Between Breastfeeding Duration and Educational Achievement in England results from the Millennium Cohort Study was published in the British Medical Journal this year. 
The study, quote, approximately 5,000 children were included. Longer breastfeeding was associated with better educational outcomes. For example, after full adjustment for socioeconomic markers and maternal cognitive ability in comparison with children who were never breastfed, those who were breastfed for longer were more likely to have a high pass in English and mathematic GCSEs, their standardized testing, and less likely to fail the English GCSE. Additionally, compared with those never breastfed, those breastfed for at least four months had on average a two to three point higher attainment score. End quote. This comes to us per, from Pereya, P-E-R-E-Y-R-A hyphen Elias et al. 2023. I can think of a million physiological reasons for the why this outcome has occurred, but ultimately is the natural path that leads to the best outcomes regardless of the why. Just breastfeed if you can should be the new slogan. Six, a new publication in, the, in Cell, the journal, further discusses research that I am a proponent of, microbial transfer at birth. In the journal Cell Host and Microbe, quote, the microbiomes of cesarean-born infants differ from vaginally delivered infants and are associated with increased disease risks. Vaginal microbial transfer, otherwise known as VMT, to newborns may reverse C-section-related microbiome disturbances. Here we evaluated the effect of VMT by exposing newborns to maternal vaginal fluids and assessing neural development, as well as the fecal microbiota and metabolome. 68 cesarean-delivered infants were randomly assigned a VMT or saline gauze intervention immediately after birth in a triple-blind manner. Adverse events were not significantly different between the two groups. Infant neurodevelopment, as measured by the Ages and Stages questionnaire, score at six months was significantly higher with VMT than saline. VMT significantly accelerated gut microbiota maturation and regulated levels of certain metabolites and metabolic functions, including carbohydrate, energy, and amino acid metabolisms within 42 days after birth. Overall, vaginal microbial transplants is likely safe and may partially normalize development and the fecal microbiome in certain delivered, cesarean-delivered infants, end quote, Jew et al., 2023. This is such an important study. A naturally occurring event should not need to be studied in order to be a part of our therapy for healthy C-section mother-child dyads, but alas, it is still not recommended. This study furthers the expected knowledge that cesarean sections are taking away a natural microbial maternal to child transfer event. I am of the belief that vaginal microbial transfer should be the standard of care today. Number seven, in the journal Nature Microbiology, Dr. Johansson and colleagues looked at the viruses in the gut of centenarians to understand the viromes effect on living long and fruitful lives. This is a fascinating new area of research. The virome, or the collection of viruses that reside within our intestines, are turning out to be bacterially modulating, and they suppress certain effects to our benefit. From the paper, quote, distinct gut microbiome ecology may be implicated in the prevention of age-related diseases as it influences systemic immune function and resistance to infections. Yet the viral component of the microbiome throughout different stages in life remains unexplored. Here we present a characterization of the centenarian gut virome using previously published metagenomes from 195 individuals from Japan and Sardinia. Compared with gut viromes of younger adults greater than 18 years of age and older adults greater than 60, centenarians had a more diverse virome including previously undescribed viral genera, such as viruses associated with clostridia. 
a population shift towards higher lytic activity was also observed. Finally, we investigated phage-encoded auxiliary functions that influence bacterial physiology, which revealed an enrichment of genes supported key steps in sulfate metabolic pathways. Phage and bacterial members of the centenarian microbiome displayed an increased potential for converting methionine to homocysteine, sulfate to sulfide, and taurine to sulfide. A greater metabolic output of microbial hydrogen sulfide in centenarians may in turn support mucosal integrity and resistance to pathobionts. End quote. This is fascinating stuff, folks. The viruses have the machinery to influence the lysis and killing of certain bacteria to maintain a homeostatic environment inside us, all the while influencing the metabolism of the microbes. So much to learn here. So much we don't know. Ugh, it's incredible. The more you peel this onion, the more we find. Number eight, the brain of humans is supposed to receive signals of satiety from the gut via hormones and neuroactive peptides in order to turn off the hunger and foraging behaviors that are making many Americans obese. In a new study in the journal Nature Metabolism, we see a single-blinded crossover study looking at these responses. From the study, we show that intragastric glucose and lipid infusions induce orosensory independent and preference-independent nutrient-specific cerebral neuronal activity and striatal dopamine release in lean participants. In contrast, participants with obesity have several severely impaired brain responses to post-ingestive nutrients. Importantly, the impaired neuronal responses are not restored after diet-induced weight loss. Impaired neuronal responses to nutritional signals may contribute to overeating and obesity and ongoing resistance to post-ingestive nutrient signals after significant weight loss may in part explain the high rate of weight regain after successful weight loss. End quote from Van Galen et al. in the journal Nature Metabolism. So yet another study in the reality that once a person adds the fat tissue to the body, the microbiome, the downstream lipid signals are all fighting against weight loss. This was probably very beneficial evolutionarily a long time ago. Terrible now. Very large problem. Section 2. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Vaccines. Vinay Prasad has some interesting comments about the Joe Rogan podcast that I found worthy of sharing. I found the podcast intriguing from a debate perspective. I, personally, truly do not believe that vaccines are the issue with the rise of chronic disease or autism spectrum disorders. However, that stance is light years away from being against debate or, frankly, being massively in favor of it. I would love to see a debate between Dr. Peter Hotez and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on all things vaccine and the FDA's role in it. Dr. Prasad writes, quote, RFK Jr. holds views I disagree with. Mostly because I think he has not made a strong or sufficient case, yet I am willing to compromise on some of these issues. And I can devise a study that we will both agree upon that will adjudicate the question. If I were to speak with him, I would suggest that we agree to run these proposed studies and let that result settle the question. I strongly suspect he's going to be incorrect about several things he believes. But I do think the best way to disarm his concerns is to sit down and agree upon the study that will settle the question. I think insulting him is very unlikely to be fruitful. Yet, that is the preferred media tactic. End quote. Vinay Prasad, 2023. So for me, I can't understand a quality reason not to want a quality study to be performed prospectively, meaning going into the future, to further answer these questions. They're concerning. 
there is nothing to hide but truth, making this all the more disconcerting for the masses, just looking for truth, myself included. I want a solid, large, multi-center trial to prove what I believe to be true based on what my eyes have seen over 24 years at Salisbury Pediatrics, and science appears to have proven. I don't think vaccines are the problem. I did a lecture recently in Florida that I've spoken about where when I go look upstream at the vaccination concern versus metabolic health, chemical exposure, microbiome disruption, all the other real truly happening events, that's where I think we're seeing more autism spectrum disorder, more autoimmunity, more all of the rest. To me, Vinay Prasad is spot on in his opinion, almost to the letter. Read his whole Substack piece for a more nuanced understanding of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And the link to the Substack is in my newsletter. Section three, Richard Reeves, the author of the book of Boys and Men, just released a quality TED Talk that is 15 minutes long and worthy of your time. The link again is in the newsletter or just try and search TED Talk 15 minutes Richard Reeves of Boys and Men. I highly encourage you to watch it. It's a very important new understanding of why young men are struggling so much more than young women in getting quality education and starting quality lives. Song of the Week, South by Hippocampus. The free thoughts this week were just have a happy July 4th. So it may be a little late when you listen to this, but nonetheless, hope you had a happy July 4th. As always, hug those kids. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Now for disclaimer. The information provided in this audio cast newsletter is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for advice and or treatment provided by your physician or other healthcare professional. It is not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue. The audio newsletter does not constitute for development of a provider-patient relationship. Have a great day.